Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Use a yell. It's the usual thing. That's Steve's thing to look like a psychopath and scream at the top of his lungs. Well, Steve's not here, folks. It is John Von Tobel, a uh, special edition of Von Tobel y los Vatos. But the Vato today, Demon Cotton, is back in the Finley Toyota studios. I, of course, as you heard, am out here at Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Make sure you come by a ton of televisions to take in the games today. We do have college football later today. Actually, an interesting one between Illinois and Kansas. We can talk about that a little bit later. Kickoff at 4.30 p.m. And, of course, football's back baby we saw the chiefs and the lions kick off the season last night we'll get into that game momentarily but this is the best spot in town to check out nfl action college football action man anything i mean right now i know demand's in tune he's been watching every second of it we just watched the u.s open one of the guys uh we got Jokovic moving on to the next round demand you've been all over this thing all over it you know if you're gonna come at us on twitter and get the facts right i've got 40 dollars on Djokovic to win this okay with a buddy just a little side bet so i am heavily invested in this and coco golf you know bringing it home for america the u.s open we need an american to win it i'm locked in all right well the other men's singles semifinal matchup carlos alcaraz and uh danny medvedev are going at it what's your breakdown i've got alcaraz he's number one in the world i mean you know spanish kid Won it last year, I believe, so I'm, he's got that momentum going, but I've got Alcaraz just because he's number one. Wow. What do you think of uh, Coco Goff? I mean, she's been on fire. Serve is really – it's solid. It's been really solid throughout this whole entire thing. Sabalenka as well. That's going to be tomorrow, by the way, 1 o'clock. What, what are you thinking? Huh? Coco's going to get this thing? She's going to get it. I, it's one of those things where I was surprised that she's only 19 years old, where I've, I feel like she's been around for so long, and this is her first – big four final and I, that surprised me there where i know that she hasn't won one a major but oh man for her to only be 19 this is her first one i feel like she's she would have been there before but i'm hoping that she can win it on sunday no all problem. right to the one angry tweeter congratulations you've gotten your uh, your fill of u.s open coverage i mean oh, you, you do you want anything else i mean look i if anybody out there we can open up with as well i'm a little sleepy and you want to know why because i set my alarm for 1 30 in the morning to watch canada Get eliminated earlier today, and then you know, get a couple more hours, wake up, and watch the Germans eliminate Team USA in the FIBA World Cup. I might have had a bet on the Americans to get eliminated in the semifinals, so I'm totally down with it. But still, come on. At least we get USA Canada, the one we wanted, except it's for bronze and not for gold. Does anybody care at this point? I mean, I think you should. I guess So somebody on Twitter actually tried to – so one – actually, we were texting about this, all you know, like a month ago. The the first friendly, what was it, Puerto Rico that they played that you went to? Not only not even two minutes into the first quarter of that game, I had a you know, a friend on social media tweet out, This team's gonna be lucky to medal and I'm like, Can we can we get through the first quarter? Like, can we get through and then the guy responds to me today and he goes, Told you. I'm like, What do you mean you told me you said they'd be lucky to medal? They're literally in a medal game, right? Like they're gonna play. So is it first? No, but your assertion was that they'd be lucky to medal and they were in the semifinals. Like they were fine. They'll be lucky to beat Canada, is what he's what he should have said. That's what he tried to say. And I was like, that's not what you said the first time. It's not what you said at all. Come on, man. 
By the way, that kind of creeped me out. I saw somebody peek in the window. I can see you in a video feed, and somebody peeked in the window at you. So I don't know if that was a ghost or maybe somebody trying to get in, but don't let them in. Don't let them in. All right, T.I. is where we're at, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. As I mentioned, the NFL season's back. I haven't talked to you. I've been busy, so I haven't been able to hit the show. Are you one of those? Were you like me? Because last Saturday, during the first full Saturday of college football, I was kind of like an animal. I was like, dude, this is great. This is awesome. I was so excited. Like, by the time I got to that 7 o'clock kick for UCLA and Coastal Carolina last Saturday, I was kind of burnt out, almost like, you know, you've been drinking all day, and you're like, man, I don't know if I could do another. And then another one came on. I was like, all right, I'll do one more. I can do one more. And then yesterday, dude, just this, this animal instinct took over. I was out of the bar. I'm like, man, the NFL's back. I was so stoked. Are you like that? Are you this excited for football season? I haven't gotten it yet. I think it's just not there. When, when being on Raider Nation Radio for so long, it was Raiders, Raiders, Raiders. But now I'm taking a little step back from football almost. Where Saturday I did have it. Dion, woo. Oh, we'll talk about oh, him. Man, I mean, I needed, Incredible. A, I needed a cigarette after that game. Every like Saturday was, man, college football is amazing. But last night it was kind of just, meh. I got to say, on that really quickly, I wasn't in on the hype. I was interested, very interested to watch, and I watched every second of that Colorado TCU game. But I wasn't wrapped up in the pomp and the circumstance of it. And then my TikTok algorithm, when I was squatting and surfing, you know how that goes, I, I come across a clip, and it's a video of Travis Hunter warming up in the end zone before the game. And somebody from the corner yells at him, Travis, you're overrated as F. And he's just screaming at him, right? You're overrated. In that same corner is where he had that incredible interception. And he gets the pick, runs over to the corner, and you just hear Travis Gunter go, who said it? Who said it? Like, he's over and over again just trying to get, like, who said it? The camera pans around. You just see all these TCU fans just in silence, just like, no, nobody's going to admit it. So that got me in. I, I, I cannot wait to watch Nebraska-Colorado on Saturday. So I'm pumped up. And yesterday was great. I, like, watching it, I will say – I kind of got like a something's not right feeling when I saw the Lions in a primetime game to open the season, <laughs> but I was very excited. Why are you wagging your finger at me? What was that? You got a point? No, no, I'm, I'm right there with you where it was fun to be on the Lions bandwagon in the preseason. They're going to win the division. They got the NFC North, but as it came closer, I was like, really? The Lions? Are we supposed to be excited about Lions Chiefs? Yeah, it was weird. It was weird watching it. The again, like the only time I should watch the Lions in prime time is on Thanksgiving. You know, that's like the only time it feels really normal. That felt like a sin against God watching you know, the Lions play in a meaningful game to open up the season. Like people wanted to watch it, but the game paid off. It was really interesting. Um, obviously, we know the result. The Kansas City Chiefs go out there. Uh, I don't want to say lay an egg, but they end up losing twenty-one to twenty. It's a fascinating affair, but it's hard not to start with what everybody wants to start with which is, turns out we were kind of right about worrying about these wide receivers, huh? It did not look good for Kansas City. Marcus Valdez-Gantling, the highest-graded starting receiver by PFF. He had a 65 last night. Some of the stats from last game that stuck out, Ed Werner tweeted this out via ESPN Stats and Info. Chiefs receivers dropped four passes, plus deflected one for a pick six. Three came on third downs. It's their third, uh, their most third-down drops since 2012. That was the year before Andy Reid became head coach in 2013. The four drops also tied for second most in a game with Patrick Mahomes as the starting quarterback. And how about this? In the second half, Mahomes, 2-12 with an interception when targeting wide receivers. It was absolutely abysmal. It was a nightmare, and I'm not worried. Because Travis Kelsey's coming back? Of 
course. Okay. Look, it's one game. The drops were bad. Um, you would hope Kadarius Tony is going to be better than he was. Uh, how about this from Sam Monson? This was a great nugget. Kadarius Tony's PFF grade last night, the worst single-game grade given to a wide receiver since 2018. The guy who had previously gotten that, you know, I guess record, uh, if you will, that honor, had two targets the whole game. So, like, Kadarius <laughs> Tony, man, I don't know what happened there. Obviously responsible for the pick six that went the other way that really made a big deal. But that is the reason why you're not really that worried. Travis Kelsey's going to come back. They're going to be fine in that regard. And it's only really, in reality, it's one game. And, yes, in one game, when you're worried about one thing and that one thing shows up in a really negative fashion, sure, I can totally get behind it. But I'm very much sample size guy. Let's see how this goes as the season moves along. Mahomes did a lot, and we'll get to maybe some other issues the Chiefs had. But I think that you're not docking the Chiefs, and you're not saying, nope, they're done, toast, it's over with. Let's see this thing play out. But do you believe that the Lions are built for this? Okay. I've got the clip if you you want to hear it. Okay, yeah, let's hear this in terms of if the Lions are built for this, because I've got something to say about Detroit as well. Can we expect to win that? Because we built that fucking way. Everything we talked about was how it went down. We had to be patient, man. Offense, we go all the way down and score. Defense, we need a takeaway. We come out at halftime, we get a huge takeaway. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Told you guys we're built for this shit. We can overcome anything as long as you guys just hang with it. We got a ton to clean up when we get back. But until then, enjoy this. Oh, yeah. All right, I'm glad he mentioned the last line there. We've got a ton to clean up. So I had somebody tweet me yesterday and go, can you even name anybody on the Lions defense outside of Hutchinson? And I'm like, you're right. That was all about that Lions defense Yeah, last night. They're probably going to be one of the best units in the National Football League. If you watch that game and go, man, Lions defensively really held them down, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Kadarius Tony dropped multiple passes. You got a touchdown off of a brick-handed drop from Tony that was right in the hands. The freeze frame is incredible. It looks like he's got a reception, and it, and it goes the other way. The fourth and 25 drop is it's tough, but it's still a drop as well. The coaching decisions for both guys, by the way, but Andy Reid deciding to, for some reason, on a fourth and two, to kick a field goal in the fourth quarter, there is no more useless lead in the NFL than a six-point lead in the final four or five minutes of a game. It doesn't matter. You want to know why? Because the other team down six gets way more aggressive, has to get downfield to score a touchdown, and when they do, they're an extra point away from taking a lead, and it's exactly what happened with the Andy with Andy Reid and the Chiefs. They take a 20-14 to 14 lead. What happens? They go down 21-20. The decision on a third and one to run the stupid jet sweep with Blake Bell. I don't know what we're doing with some of these decisions. And Andy Reid's awesome. And I don't want to, which I am though, taking away from this for the Lions. But if you're coming away from that game and going, oh, you were wrong to you were wrong to doubt Detroit, I feel like you should watch the game one more time. All right, we'll take our break. Oh, that's right. We have a we have a loaded guest list. Steve's going to try to check in. I don't think so. But Mark McMillan's going to join us, Chef McMillan. We'll talk about Thursday night and just what it means now that he's a civilian to have football back. It's time for Grillin' McMillan with ESPN Las Vegas NFL insider Mark McMillan on Cofield and Company. 
You heard it. Before we get to Mark, remember to make sure to come on down. T.I. is the spot. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. T.I. is awesome. Free parking. You just got to say hi. Security guard on the way in. And a lot of great specials, including the Keep the Glass Fish and Chips special, which you can ask about when you come down. We've also got some swag, including VIP passes to the upcoming San Janeiro Feast and tickets to the game against Vandy for UNLV. All right, let's welcome in Mark, who's nice enough to give us some time today. Sorry, Chef Mark. Uh, Chef, I was going over your Twitter account, and I saw something you had put up. Uh, Newsflash, Twitter coach, is secondary, only as good as your defensive line, so stop it with the Chris Jones needs to take the deal on the table. Uh, what were you seeing that made you respond on social media? Okay, all right, maybe we'll get him back. Technology's a fickle thing, Damon. It's all right. It happens from time to time. I will say, it is kind of a it is kind of a flex to hold out but then show up for the game, right? Like just sit in the stands and actually watch not your team fail, but to watch that transpire. That is another aspect of this when we're watching it. But I will say, as we're waiting to see if we can hook up with Mark, I did mention with Damon. You good? I thought I saw a thumb flash up. I mentioned with Damon earlier when we were talking about this game and that maybe there were some other aspects that could come away from it. And I put this when I sent it to Damon. It was don't let the bad wide receiver play distract you from one other thing that we watched in that game yesterday. The Chiefs' offensive line was not very good at all. If you look at some of the numbers for Patrick Holmes in that game, according to PFF, he was under pressure. 44.4% of the time. So of of his 45 dropbacks, 20 of them, he was considered under pressure. And he was good under pressure. He was 8 of 16, uh, 127 yards, 7.9 per attempt. Didn't commit a turnover-worthy play. Had a couple of big-time throws. Mahomes did a lot of great stuff with the pressure, moving out of the way, extending plays. I mean, if you look at that play in which Tony drops that fourth and 25, obviously he maneuvers out of the pressure, rolls out, and then, of course, throws it across the field to give his guy a chance. He was absolutely tremendous. But I feel like as you watch a single game and you can sit there and you can say, all right, the wide receivers are going to be a really big issue. This team's going to be screwed there. I think that's something that potentially corrects itself. Maybe it's one game of variance and the guys are going to be a lot better. They're professional wide receivers. It's going to happen. You know, drops are, I would think, not something that continues. And, of course, as you mentioned, Kelsey's back. But the fact that he was kind of running for his life and having to avoid pressure and extend plays the way that he was – That's the troubling sign of, I think, what we watched yesterday. Now, I want to watch it going forward because the Lions do, of course, with Hutchinson up front, have a really good defensive front that are good at pass rushing. But I think it's something that we have to at least monitor with the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, let's bring in Mark McMillan. Nice enough to give us some time. Uh, Mark, I was just kind of talking about last night. We'll get to the wide receivers. But I was mentioning that one of the things I don't think we should get distracted from after watching that yesterday is that the offensive line for the Chiefs was not very good, even though he was not put down on the ground very much. you got to worry about that too, don't you? Yeah, they're, you know, they got tackled. You know, there was a lot of all-star tackle as well. All right, let's reset Mark one more time. Let's see if we can maybe get this done. I'm sorry, it's kind of funny. I know it's not your fault. It's not your fault, Demond, but it is kind of funny. You know, technology lets you down every once in a while. I want to see what Mark's got. So hopefully we can reconnect with him. But it is a good point, right? Some new bodies along the offensive line and what this team was going to look like as you moved into the season. We get so wrapped up in some of the talking points with some of these teams that you're going to be fascinated to see if that's going to be something that actually affects them. Like the wide receivers correct themselves, but 
man, oh man, I think that's really going to be an issue. And we're kind of giving the Lions some of their flowers too because if we move forward and that offensive line is going to be fine, then I think that um, the wide receivers are going to be something that we'll watch. I think drops get corrected though. By the way, shout out to, uh, to Robert uh, who said he was just giving me a hard time and uh, sends in that uh, the T-shirt, Detroit versus everybody. I got you, Robert. That's why I didn't want to – hey, you don't really get the tone across on social media, but I appreciate you checking in. All right, as we're waiting to, to check in with Mark, that was one of the things that really stuck out from yesterday. And I would also say for Detroit, as we played the clip from Dan Campbell at the beginning of the show, I don't want to come across as the Lions think that was nothing. And that's probably how it came across in the opener. I just want to come across as I think you should view things outside of the result, and that's what I really try to do a lot. I'll, I'll tie in an example. Over last weekend, I watched, and people are going to be like, what are you doing here? Um, watched Bowling Green and Liberty, okay? Now, I get you and James like, huh? Like, okay, so Bowling Green and Liberty. Bowling Green throws five interceptions in that game. Five interceptions. And Liberty is barely up by seven in their final drive, and they have to kick a field goal to win the thing by 10. So you could look at that and go, Liberty won by 10. I look at it and go, one team threw five interceptions and barely lost that game, and even by a final score that doesn't really indicate what was actually happening in that contest. So when you look at things in terms of like the nuance of it, that's what you really got to look at. All right. Third time's a charm. Mark is with us. Mark, we were talking about the offensive line, the pressure that Matt, uh, Patrick Mahomes has experienced. The floor is yours. Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, you know, they got two, uh, you know, uh, offensive tackles uh, that they got in free eight. It's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's probably someone unprofessional that I'm just laughing. It happens. Hey, Damod, tell you what. We're cutting in and out. Let's do this. Let's you want to take a break early? Yeah, okay. Let's let's take our break early. I didn't even hear you on that one, but I think you can pro- the different program feed. All right, let's take our break. Let's see if we can reset with Mark. And if not, we got plenty to hear from in terms of UNLV because the Rebels are on the road. They're taking on Michigan. Steve is on the road. We're gonna try to connect with him at some point as well. But I know this. You won't have a problem if you come down to TI because this is the spot. Golden Circle Sportsbook of Bar. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Avon Solo, Elos Vatos edition of Cofield and Company. Steve, um, up in the air, I would assume. I looked it up. It's a four-hour flight from here to Detroit, and I think you have to fly to Detroit and then get on a bus and then drive into Ann Arbor as uh, the Rebels are on the road to take on the Wolverines of Michigan. That'll be tomorrow. Big, uh, big spot, at least in terms of viewership. You get on the uh, the big eye, so that's going to be fun to see what UNLV's got in front of the entire country. Devon Cotton is back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, I am lucky enough to be out here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar TI. Remember, free parking, so you want to come down, say what's up, no issue. Just wave to my friend, the security guard. Devon, you all right? You need a drink? You cool? Sometimes, uh, sometimes <laughs> it happens, man. Hey, I've been in that chair before. It happens. How are you feeling? I am great. You know, we're just going to keep the show rolling. Okay. I'm looking at the rundown here. I don't even think we have anything planned for 330. Oh, we do. Oh, we've always got something <laughs> planned. Always got something planned. You know, it's all, I'm pointing to my head. It's all right here, baby. Trust me. Today is a chaotic day. I've had quite a chaotic day. Demond's started to have a chaotic day, but we're going to relax a little bit. Did you see the news? This is not 
I don't want this to come across as celebratory because I, we don't like when guys get injured. So I want to make that clear, even though I don't think the tone is going to be that. We got news today of some injuries for guys on Sunday for the first full weekend of the NFL season, and a familiar name popped up. Darren Waller, questionable to play against the Cowboys, showed up on the final injury report with a hamstring injury, officially listed as questionable. First time he appeared on the injury report this week. So, look, I am not a doctor by any sense, but if you pop up on the last day of the week with a hamstring injury, I'm going to say... It'll probably happen that day, and I'm going to say that it's going to be pretty tough to potentially come back from something like that and that quick of a turnaround. We'll see if that's going to be the case. It's kind of a bummer. As a guy who, of course, his last year, right, it was injury-filled, and you wanted to see more because he wasn't available, and by all accounts, during training camp and throughout the summer was awesome for the New York Giants, and he just pops up on the injury report again. I hope the guy can stay healthy. Yeah, I was really bragging about him earlier this week. I know you have been, haven't been on the show, but I said the Giants named him a captain. Yep. The Raiders didn't do that this year. He's going to be proving himself, and now he's looking like the same old Darren Waller. Yep. So hopefully he's going to be healthy for the season, but it does suck when you have something that's potentially that good for you, and especially for Daniel Jones. Like, Jones, if you looked at some of the numbers last year from a passing standpoint, he was not very good. Again, I like to, and I, I readily admit to our audience, it's always one. It's just easy to cite. From a PFF passing, great perspective. He's very average. And we'll see if he can improve this year. But Waller was going to be part of that improvement. Waller was going to help accelerate that process. As we know the cliche, a tight end is a quarterback's best friend. So it is a bummer. It's also a bummer when I was perusing some of the injuries. I really think highly of the Green Bay Packers, as you know. But our bet, Jordan Love versus Justin Fields. Who's going to have the better season? We're grading it via PFF uh, overall grade. It's a big hit for me, buddy. Christian Watson is not going to play on Sunday. And Romeo Dubs is questionable to play. So the two guys that I was, those were like, that was part of my thing. I was like, look, these guys are going to be really good. Watson was awesome at the back half of the year when he got healthy after that knee scope. They're going to help accelerate this. At least one of them's out and one of them's in question. How you feel? You got him. Come on. Yeah, when I saw that report, you were the first person I thought about. Because I said, hey, it's looking good for me on Sunday. And, I mean, if he wins the head-to-head, I, I think that maybe, I know we're talking about PFF grade, that's what the bet's going to be graded on, but I think the head-to-head's maybe got to put a little something extra on it. What do you mean? You want to add? Like, what What are you saying? Oh, you, so you're saying that, well, the head-to-head would be a tiebreaker, but it's two games, so theoretically we could have the exact same grade and then tie in terms of that, so... What do we say? How about this? First one's in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. So road win would be worth more. So even if they split, right, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. so well, we'll have to figure that what out, but sweep, I would agree. What does a sweep get me when it happens? Uh, here, we'll add this. I'll put this in the dock. <laughs> I'll put this in the dock. And this goes the other way, though. This goes the other way. If... You're within, if the player that you bet on, so for me, Jordan Love, for those who don't remember, uh, we both bet, you know, uh, who's going to have the better season. I have Jordan Love, DeMond has Justin Fields. Again, grading it via PFF overall grade. I will, if, if either of them is within 10 points, but the one that is lowest in terms of grade swept the other, you win. Okay. Mm, I, uh, I'm, I'm See what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, so if Jordan Love has like a, it's like a 70, and and Justin Fields is a 60, but the Bears swept the Packers, you win the bet. Man, 10 points is a lot of points because that, that's a very, by PFF grade standards, that's a big discrepancy. But I'll take it. I'm going to give you every handicap you can get because you're going to get smoked in this thing. 
What's the uh, what's the LeBron de- what's the LeBron uh, meme? Christian Watson, something Watson. I don't care. Packers <laughs> <laughs> with like the ten cigarettes like, photoshopped onto him. I don't care. Packers and six. It's going to be perfectly fine. I will say it does put a damper on it. And from a big picture standpoint, as you're hoping to develop a guy like Jordan Love, you want the full arsenal of weapons available for him. And at the very least, the dude who looked insanely explosive for you and Christian Watson, not going to be there. And I don't want to sound the alarm bells now, but it does. You at least keep it in your mind that Watson needed the knee scope before the season last year and now is going to miss first game of this year. Just something to monitor in Watson's career as you move forward because he seems like he does have a lot of potential, but you hope that it's not limited, we'll say, by injury as it uh, kind of has been already in a really short sense. It's also worth noting that uh, looking at the line, I'm going to double-check this, I don't think we've had much movement in terms of the, uh, the line for Packers and Bears outside of what we've already been seeing. Okay, a half point. Back up to Chicago, minus one and a half. For those who don't know, this actually opened up as high as three and then came back down to as low as one. The Packers have been receiving some money, but now we're up to one and a half. All right, so let me ask you, Damon. We opened up. You didn't really get to have your say on it. If I were to ask you, bigger concern for Kansas City, wide receivers or offensive line after last night, what would you say? I'm still going to go wide receivers because we've seen Patrick Mahomes – defy the odds, you know, make chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what when it comes to having a bad offensive line. But if you can't catch the ball, three drops on third downs, he can't do anything about that. He can't be the magician. There's nothing you can do about drops on third down that these receivers got to be better. I know that, hey, Travis Kelsey's going to be coming back, and he should be, you know, the cure-all. But, man, Tony looked bad. It made me think MBS was their best receiver. Why didn't they go out and try to get DeAndre Hopkins? Get somebody that's a credible receiver to add with these guys. It doesn't sound like the Buccaneers want to re-sign Mike Evans. Maybe see if you can throw out a trade early on in the season for him. Because not that it's just doom and gloom for them, because you still have Patrick Mahomes. Let's not not get crazy. But those receivers are a problem. I'm still going to hold out. I will say, I think if I wouldn't like push back against it too hard, I would also say, and I think when we were having our technical issues, like I think I kind of heard Mark say this, you know, when you have new faces along the offensive line as well, and they don't perform up to par, and, I'm, and, and now this is my statement, um, like that's kind of like something to watch, right? And you watched last night, one of the worst offensive linemen was Donovan Smith, is the left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, who was not part of the team a season ago. And on 48, how about this? So 48 uh, pass-blocking snaps, uh, 4-1 Donovan Smith, and he gave up seven pressures. Like, that's that's abysmal. You can't allow that to happen. And at some point, I'll say this, because I do think the Lions' pass rush is very good, and I think we all kind of expect that to be a strength of theirs. There's going to be a point where you're given a pressures and those pressures turn into sacks. Like, Mahomes can't do – you mentioned it. He can't do everything, right? He can't – what was the uh, what was the Giselle Bunchen thing that she allegedly said in the uh, – in the uh, the elevator of the Super Bowl against the Giants. Tommy when, can't throw and catch the ball. Yeah, Tommy can't. Patty can't do it either, right? Oh, sorry, I don't want I don't want Patrick Holmes' mom to get mad at me. I think she got mad at somebody for calling him either Pat or Patty during a broadcast one time. But he can't do all that either. And I will say, maybe this is unfair of me, he wasn't incredible last night, Patrick Mahomes. You know, I saw a lot of people last night going, only four drops, I counted like seven. 
like the one that kept getting referenced was the one where I think it was Tony. He was like kind of catching it down by his hip. Like that's that's not a drop because it's not placed like perfectly where you need it to be. So that's not considered a drop. Did Tony or whoever it was get his hands on it? Yes. But that wasn't like the greatest throw from Holmes. There's a couple of them. There was one, I think it was the first half, where he steps up in the pocket and he takes a shot downfield. And there's like three Lions DBs around one Chiefs receiver. And you're like, all right, you're kind of lucky you sailed that over all three of those guys. But what were you looking at in that regard? It was just a weird, disjointed effort from Kansas City. And maybe the Kelsey thing took them by surprise. Maybe they actually thought he was going to be able to give it a go. And there was reports that he was begging to play. And all of a sudden, he wasn't available. I got to talk to somebody who was filling over on Beeson. We talked to somebody at Kansas City who reports on the Chiefs. And he was like, I think he's going to play. So maybe it was like a last-minute thing that Kelsey wasn't available and they weren't fully prepared with a game plan without him. But it was just a weird, disjointed effort overall offensively for Kansas City. I thought in all three phases. Wide receiver, offensive line, and at certain times, not the entire time, quarterback play. Maybe that's unfair. Uh, I've got an overreaction for you. Okay. Maybe they miss Eric Bieniemy. You know what? Maybe he would have been, you know, getting those guys heads on straight. Kadarius Tony, when he had to see the enemy on the sideline after the first drop, when yeah. he had another. Hey, I'll tell you this. that That's a potential possibility. You think Matt Nagy's over there being mean to the guys like Eric Bieniemy would have been? No, I don't think so. And I don't know about I don't. Does Eric Bieniemy call a jet sweep with a tight end handing it off on third and one? I don't think so. We'll have to talk about the Lions' perspective, too, because I will say the Lions are all right. Jared Goff was all right, too. They got a win. One of my things with the Lions outside of, like, asking if their defense was going to be any good was the questions about Goff. Goff was solid. Um, so I'm not going to, like, take it. He, he had some bad throws, sure, but he was good. Like, good enough to win the game. My guy, Dan Campbell, though, you got to be kind of consistent. Like, there was, like, a fourth and three in Chiefs territory that he decided not to go for it on. But then he goes for the fake punt on, like, a fourth and two inside his own 20-yard line. Like, go, show his social consistency. At some point, you got to get a little bit, you got to show some consistency. But it all leads up to this. I'm going to ask you a question about the coaching decisions, right? What did you think of going for it on fourth and 25? I don't know what the numbers say. I don't care what the numbers say. Nah, I'm good. We're just, no. No, so the, you're laughing because you think I'm going to set you up like, this is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> exactly. Like, no, no. no. When I, when I, I feel like, whenever I say it's going to be the wrong answer. No, but there, me personally, 4th and 25, no. The, the win probability stuff was out there. Like, you know, it added, if you, it, I think the correct by win probability, even factored in with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, the win probability said punt it, you know. I will say, I, I guess I could loop myself into this before we take our break. Us number nerds. We get a little too lost in the sauce. Some people were like, well, actually what you do is you run backwards and you run out of bounds at the nine-yard line. And then when you do that, you force them to either go for it or kick a field goal on fourth down. And I'm like, nobody's going to think of that in the moment. It's great to watch from TV and go, well, actually, I would do this. I understand the logic behind it. But sometimes, right, sometimes us nerds, we can just kind of like keep the mouth shut and, you know, let people live their lives. All right. Let's take our break. When we come back, as you mentioned, big day for UNLV, of course, because they are traveling out to Michigan. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Michigan Wolverines as Steve Cofield got to chat with John Jansen. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. 
You heard it. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar at TI, where you want to come. Free parking, remember, so you can come in and say what's up. No problem, man. Check out the awesome sportsbook that we have. All right. Theme today, of course, you and will be on the road against Michigan. Let's talk uh, a little bit about this match. Steve Cofield's not with us today, uh, but he is on the way and got to talk with a couple of folks. Um, let's talk a little bit about this UNLV defense. Jalen Dixon was on the field, of course, for UNLV's win over Bryant. Steve got to talk to him and started the conversation off about asking, what did Bryant do to attack your defense? Their game plan was to get the ball out fast pretty quick. So I was trying my best to get back there, but I didn't. I, as, a, as you can see, I didn't have the best game. So I'm, I'm looking to capitalize week two, uh, make a bigger jump. From week one to week two, so we're going to see how things go. Where did their quarterback have the most success? Uh, was it getting outside? Did you guys contain well? Uh, how come he got loose? Uh, it was more of a – it was more of a – inside, we didn't have to do our job correctly. We went back in film, went over it, and we make, we're making adjustments. So, hopefully – we, we can get that fixed by Michigan. So, But how is their quarterback compared to this one in terms nah, of the mobility? Quarterback is a great quarterback, great quarterback. Uh, and he can lose, use his legs as well. And he has a great arm too as well. So I, we just got to be prepared and uh, make him feel uncomfortable. Move him off his spots and, and, and make him feel uncomfortable and make him feel like we're going to be here all day. Jalen Dixon with us as we're getting ready for uh, UNLV football at Michigan. You mentioned Brian had a you thought a great offensive line. Yeah, they, they, so what did you see out there? Uh, coming in, we uh, I don't like to down I don't like to downplay anybody. So I, I treat everybody the same same level. So uh, they had a, they had a good a guard All American seniors. They they've been been together for a long time. So that's why another reason why they're been, they're they're a good O line because they've been together for so long. So yeah, uh, going into this atmosphere against Michigan, I'm trying to think. Notre Dame was probably the biggest crowd yes. you've been in front of. What are you like when you walk into a, you know, a stadium, a historic stadium, when it's you know, 60, 70, maybe in this case 100,000? When you first walk in, it's like, okay, okay, there's a lot of fans. But when you're on the field, it's just football at the end of the day. Yeah, just football at the end of the day. When, you, when you're playing, you're really locked in. You, don't, you can hear the noise, but you're really locked in. It doesn't really phase you because you've been playing football for so long, and you want to play in, in front of crowds like this. In the uh, press conference, we were talking to Jalen Dixon. Uh, one of the media people said you know, something along the lines of shock the world. You guys use that as motivation, or does it actually annoy you a little bit that that people think, "Hey, this is an impossibility." Uh, a little bit of both, but at the end of the day, they are ranked number two, and we want to come in there and we want to win. I guess you could say we want to shock the world, but at the end of the day, we want to prove to the world that we're going to be a great team this year, and we want to win championships. So let's talk about uh, the D line in this last game, and then kind of looking forward. We had talked about Whitmore, which you know it's an interesting case. They it looks like they went out and recruited for the three three five with guys they knew, right? Yeah. Cooper Webb was at a previous coach's Correct. school, and the same. With Whitmore, uh, what have both of those guys brought? Because their rise up the depth chart to be, you know, two and then heavily in a rotate. They were in pretty early. Yes, yes. Wit is a very shifty, quick guy, so he can get hit. his get off is is great, great. So that 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 it can cause an advantage and struggle for O lines too as well. When we talk about Cooper Webb. Cooper Webb's very strong. Like he he's very strong. So I mean, having Coop in in the middle is just is a blessing because. He's just so strong. He can move people around. So, I mean, it's been, it benefits the whole D-line and the linebackers. Yeah, I love a lot of the stories on this team because sometimes when there's a head coaching change, a lot of the guys can get real anxious and they're like, oh, I'm screwed, right? Am I going to be able to win over the new staff? You guys have had so many people on this team win over the staff, and one of them is Tad Martinson. Yeah. And talking to Ricky Logo about yeah. a month ago, he's like, hey, Tad in the weight room, the strength was always there, and now he's brought the strength to the field. From a, from a technique standpoint, what does that mean? Like if he was strong, why why wasn't he bringing it to the field? What does it mean? Uh, sometimes when you uh, you can be strong in the weight room, but there's what I what I what I say you could be weight room strong and then you could be field strong. 
And where Tat needed to work on, he needed to bring that strongness from the weight room to the field. And now that's and now it's correlating perfectly. So I get it. Just it just it, he just needed to make it a little jump, but he's he's on pace right now and great nose tackle we have here. Let's talk about your maturation in the program. You know, we uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about you know, your background. You're a walk-on, kind of an undersized guy. I remember seeing you in there, you know, early in that first season. I'm like, whoa, okay, he's doing some things. So talk about what's helped you mature off of the field. And you mentioned, hey, you're one of the leaders now. That, yeah. That's kind of a, a quick, not a quick, but a pretty big jump from, hey, I'm just trying to make a football team to now I can be one of the leaders. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like just trickled down. So when I got here, I had leaders like Jalen Graves, Naki, Tavis, all take me under their wing and just show me the ropes of trying to be a leader and trying to and give me different techniques to be great on the field too as well. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's come from them. I cover basketball too, women's and men. So I'm always interested who can play hoops, who likes basketball on the football team. First of all, do you like basketball? Are you a fan of the yeah. NBA or college? I'm a, I'm a friend of the NBA. Uh, James Harden is my favorite. Uh, is he? He is my favorite. Okay. Uh, you got to You got to back that up. I just like his style of play. Like when he was at Houston, more of when he was at Houston, he just dog, just no one can stop him. I saw everything. And his birthday is close to my birthday okay. too as well. So that's another thing, why, another reason why I like him too as well. It's, uh, it's funny, Doug Brumfield was in another conversation during the summer, was talking about basketball and playing a little bit in the offseason. And he mentioned a lot of the back-end guys on the defense mm-hmm. are good players. Oh, yeah. Is that what you've noticed? Oh, or, or oh, is there oh, another oh, position? Oh, oh, yes. The back-end, the back end, they, they, they know how to ball. I'm going to yeah. tell you that right now. We've gone to the wreck sometimes, and they know how to ball. I tell you that. <laughs> well, the funny thing ball. is, I think Jackson Turner told us last week, he talked to Caleb Herring. He said he hadn't picked up a basketball here, and then Jackson started rolling down. I don't know if you know about his background as an AAU guy, but he played with, he played with high-level guys. So okay. there may be a sneak attack in the future where <laughs> yeah. you go out you're yeah. like, wait a second, now yeah. there's another defensive back? Yeah. Talk about that group, and I'm sure you get to watch, uh, you know, in terms of like watching their film, you get to watch what they're doing. Talk about how they did on Saturday in terms of coverage, and then obviously their tackling may not have been totally up to snuff, as Coach said in the press conference. I feel like we had, you know, we had a solid game. Uh, we, there's things we can always clean up as well, and, and, and this is a new defense. We're all still learning, too, as well. So we're going to have some errors the first game, but in the next game is based on can I not have the same mistakes I had week one, and can I translate to week two and be, and be better? Can I, can, it be, can I be the best version of myself in week two? Can I make the jump each week? Can I, can I keep making jumps each week and getting better and not make the same mistakes? Man, how about that, huh? I know how my big takeaway is for Jalen Dixon. His favorite basketball player is James Harden. Clearly. What do you mean? That's great. Yeah, I know. I mean, One of my favorite guys is James Harden. Doesn't get enough respect. I like. I don't like how he said, oh, back when he played in Houston. No, stand on it today. What do you mean? No, he's like back in Houston when he played. He was like more so when he was in Houston. I mean, I'm. If he's I'm, your favorite player. He's your favorite player. Your player even I mean, in bad times. I mean, I'm a fan. In bad times, he led the league in assists last year. Yeah, you know, but. You know how sometimes you can read deeper and James Harden is his favorite player? That's is right. Is he going to be a character issue guy? <laughs> okay, yeah, exactly. Like, I love what he's been doing. I love what he's been doing. Um, I do the same thing. I will say, I will say the Utes uh, of today, They um, a lot of people get surprised by who some of their favorite players are in basketball. So, like, I'm a Clippers fan, and they w- they just went and acquired um, in the offseason uh, Kenyon Martin, KJ Martin from the Houston Rockets, and I've, I'm excited to watch him play. He's all, he, looks, he looks like he's going to be really good. Super athletic power forward. He's going to be awesome transition, whatever. Uh, I think he's 23. But one of his favorite player coming into the league and like still now, which is always weird that you have a favorite player even though you play in the league, but whatever. It's Paul George. 
And there's been a lot of guys who have cited Paul George as like the best basketball player they've watched. And people are like, Ugh! but you know, it's the game. Guys appreciate game. All right. And James Harden's got it. Just throw that out there. Oh, yeah. UNLV Michigan. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. That's yeah. going to be that, <laughs> I, that's a game I'm going to appreciate. I, I'll ask you this. What do you look for in a game like this from a team like UNLV? What what do you want to see when you are, at least by all accounts and projections and whatever, up against what seemingly is a, you don't want to call it guaranteed, a very, very likely lopsided loss? I want to see the Rebels shock the world, but more. Okay, yes, <laughs> that okay. that can't happen. I want the most improbable thing to happen. Okay. Um, two touchdowns. So you have like a, just a line of, I just want this level of production. Give me two touchdowns or we're Oh, good. no, no, no. Keep it within two touchdowns. Oh. Yeah. They can okay. keep it within two touchdowns. That's a, hey, guys, you can convince yourself some things went right. So you want the 36.5-point underdog to stay within two touchdowns. Yep. Okay. All right. I feel like maybe that's asking a lot. Nah. I, I would say this. Are you capable as an offense that did cook look okay against Bryant? Are you capable of giving me two or three sustained drives from a time of possession and play standpoint? You know what I mean? Can you give me one of those, two of those, three of those, seven-ish play drives? Can you get yourself in scoring territory against this? And offensively, I'm really curious, and this is more of an eye test than anything else, how do you look physically against a front like this, both offensive line and defensive line? Are you getting absolutely manhandled up front on both ends of the ball? Or are some of these guys actually winning some of those battles? Because against Bryant, when you're not really making a lot of noise in the backfield as a defense, that's kind of troubling because that should be the game in which you're able to do it. You know, you go back to last year where Eliel Ahimere in the first game looked like the best defensive player in the country because of the chaos. He was, you know, he was wreaking havoc on the interior of the defensive line. He looked like the most physically dominant player on the field. I didn't see a ton of that against Bryant. But how much can you realistically expect against Michigan? Where how much, in your eyes, if you, the eye test, how many plays or series would you be able to point out and say, that's enough for me to see a sign of improvement going forward? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it when you're looking for in a game like this is subjective to what you and I would view, right? Okay. I think coming out of a game like this – where they're more than likely going to lose in lopsided fashion, what you take away from it is going to be more what you observe and what you deem as successful and what I would observe and deem as successful. So, I, like in other words, I think we're going to come out of Saturday and all three of us, me, Steve, you, would probably have their all three different reads on how that game went because what you're gleaning from games like this, I think, is totally subjective. There might, might be some numbers and some statistics you can point to, but it's more subjective observations than anything else. Yeah, because I am totally unreasonable with my fandom of just right. why can't you? Right. I mean, I don't don't give me all the all the reasons of why it can't happen. Go out there and make it happen. Well, what the Cardinals are making happen is losing. We're going to talk about this. We got an update for the Arizona Cardinals. This is incredible what they're doing right now with their roster.